but are potent symbols of Jesus' humble beginning. But Matthew tells a very different story. In his version, there are no shepherds at all. In their place, all the famous wise men from the east following the star. In the film, Balthazar is played by James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader. Where are you from? Wherever I'm living. I call that star. But why does a star have the power to draw them so far from home? The wise men are described as coming from the east, which suggests that perhaps they're from Persia, a region in which astronomy and astrology were especially important. Everyone in the ancient world thought that the stars were important for predicting events. So it's understandable that people from a region where astrology was especially important would think that the arrival of a star like this would herald an event of almost cosmic importance. But Matthew doesn't name the kings at all, or even say that there were three of them. He simply says, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. <coughs> Their names and number weren't written in any of the gospels. They appeared in writings many centuries later. But Matthew is specific about the three gifts the wise men brought with them. Accept these poor tokens of homage, incense, perfume, the whole night. Gold, volcano, Frankincense and myrrh are luxury items associated with aristocracy, even kingship. So to anoint the head of the future king, you need to have these glorious substances, and it needs to come from figures of authority, hence the wise men. But they were more than luxurious gifts. They signified Jesus' future life and divine status. The gifts brought by the Magi all have symbolic significance. Gold, which is a, a tool of wealth, symbolizes kingship and monarchy. Frankincense, which was used in religious rituals, symbolizes the priesthood. And myrrh, which is a herb that was used in burial rituals, symbolizes that there will be death in the future. What does Luke say about the three kings? Nothing at all. The familiar story of the Nativity, passed down through generations, is a blend of both Luke and Matthew. Together they show a Messiah for all of humanity, rich and poor. All right, so uh, she wanted me to share some things with you guys about the wise men, and um, a little bit, too, to give you a little bit of the study that I even came across. So as some of you might know, I taught the book of Daniel um, at the House of Prayer for about two years. And in that study, it was so interesting to me because I um, would love to study alongside of it, just not the biblical proportions, but also the historical proportions. And so the, the thing about Daniel is that Daniel is the most accurate book 
historically in the whole entire Bible. From the moment where they enter Babylon, even to the moment they exit, even his detail down to the T of what would happen in the first and second coming and in the lengths of history has been so accurate um, that even worldly scholars have looked to the book of Daniel over time to get accurate points of history and what happened when. And so when we um, are looking at Daniel, I told my mom what's interesting is when um, we, to go back and look at how Babylon even began or to go back to its earliest, I will say, origin, we have to go back and look at the Tower of Babel. And so the Tower of Babel, of course, was the place in Genesis where Nimrod creates this whole system. Actually, people go, well, what was the big deal? They created a, um, a system basically to build a tower to heaven to, you know, go into the heavens, you know. And so it looks, seems foolish at that time, but where they thought, you know, the clouds were the heavens to them. You know, we all know if they tried to do it, they would never have reached God, really. So it wasn't the issue that they were trying to get to God, and God was like, they're going to get so close to us that, you know, I have to destroy it. It was the intentions of their heart, that it was wicked, that it was a... Um, Nimrod was evil in his intentions to building this and trying to build this heavens. And so what God does is that he actually decides to um, to confuse their language, and that's how we got the languages of the world. You know, that's where they started babbling, you know, Babylon. And so this this is the, the early origins of Babylon. And so it's interesting that when Israel is at defiance with God, God sends them to the place of rebellion, I mean, of ultimate rebellion that became in the very beginning of time, to be in captivity to them, to show them actually his goodness and his mercy, because for them, there would be a lot of temptations in that place, but at the same time, you see Daniel, who's defiant to the culture, and really was a leader in the government. We have, um, there's different prophets during that same time. Um, Ezekiel will be a prophet to the people. Um, he's going to be the voice to the people during that time in Babylonian captivity after Jeremiah um, has already prophesied that this is going to be what happens. Um, and Jeremiah is spared and actually can stay. Um, we see that this young boy, Daniel, and he's going to be brought into the company of the wise men. Now, the significance of these wise men, it's interesting that the only thing that Daniel refused is what they served as a meal. And there's a, there's great importance to that. To us, there doesn't seem like a lot of importance pertaining, you know, I eat bacon today, you know, like, so to me to say no to bacon doesn't seem like a great sacrifice because, you know, there isn't anything in our dietary thing that, that defies our worship at this point, other than we should be carriers, good carriers of our body. But, um, but for him, that was the only thing that he refused. He didn't refuse their teachings. He didn't refuse learning what they, they taught. Um, it was only in that. But in that, God gave him grace and favor and rose him up. So why was this very important? Because the Babylonians, I told my mom, when you watch cartoons, um, a lot of times, you know, they're like, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, like they come off as really stupid, you know, like they come off as kind of like not being smart, you know, just suck ups who just want to get in the king's favor, which I'm sure, I mean, it's in the world today, people who suck up to the king or, you know, wanting to have their favor. But the fact that they were not stupid by any means is actually vitally important. And it actually puts it in light into how important it was that they couldn't even, even interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Because 
these men were smart. These men were very wise. And so I told my mom, there's things that we live using today that were actually created by the, invented by the Babylonians. And so I said, when you put that in light of that and how we still live by this system today, it puts in light to how wise these men were and how they, how we are still influenced by them today. So they are actually the inventors of astronomy. They used astronomy to devise a 12-month calendar with their system of astronomy. They accurately predicted eclipses. They studied the heavens and used their results to predict or prevent danger. So they looked at it to tell the story of where they were going and who they were. That's one of the reasons why the sign of Babylonia was Leo, the lion. It, it, was a, it was a strong point of them saying this is a constellation in the sky that actually predicts who we are in the heavens and on the earth. And so the, the Babylonians created a base 60 number system. To us, we do things in numbers of 10. We count to 10, you know, going to 100. For them, that would be the basis of 60. But how did they use the 60? Some of them, um, they created 60 seconds in a minute. They created 60 minutes in an hour. They created 59 symbols to represent their numbers. And they are credited to understanding and using the idea of zero in Babylonian math. Zero is represented by a blank space. So even at this point, the number zero wasn't even in it. They were great mathematicians. A point of this um, goes into Nebuchadnezzar building the hanging gardens for his wife, um, which makes it one of the, it was one of the seven wonders of the world and still is today, even though it no longer exists. It was one of the world's best inventions of its ingenious use of irrigation to water the gardens in the middle of a desert. Babylonian engineers created a chain pump that brought in water from the Euphrates River and designed special bricks to keep the garden in place. I was telling my mom a few years ago, um, some scientists decided to try to recreate the hanging gardens. And so they decided to do it not with anything but how how the Babylonians would have done it. They are still yet to truly understand how they did it. And so to the fact that these men were not just simple men, but they were mathematicians, they were scientists, they are said to have created, um, even with pottery, they're also um, known, they said, basically, they don't know who created the wheel. Um, but the, some of the earliest wheels and those products were found in Mesopotamia, which is in Babylon. And so the the fact that these men were very wise, the fact that they created all of the system comes to show us, you know, why um, even when when Daniel is standing before them, how him to have influence for God to give him wisdom over these wise men to put him in place because the Jews were very simple people. Um, they believed that the expanding of writing and, and to its literary is gone to the Babylonians as well. And so for them, for God to bring them into a place, it's really he's bringing the lowest into the highest. He's bringing the dumbest, to be honest, into the wisest. And he takes those who would be considered dumb and promotes them over the wisest of the wisest of men. And so when we have Daniel and the courts having influence, this is a big deal. 
This is a very big deal that God would put him in this place, learning astrology, learning all these things. Um, now, Jesus refers to Daniel as a prophet. Daniel does never, never refers to himself as a prophet, but he is a prophet and he's a prophet to the kings. Um, we see that with Nebuchadnezzar and how he is the interpreter of dreams. He is um, given territory to rule and reign over. And of course, this makes these wise men jealous because it makes no sense to them how this Jewish boy could come and be wiser than them. It makes no sense to them. And of course, the jealousy that evokes in their heart, because not only is Daniel smart, he's beloved by the kings that he serves under, other than Nebuchadnezzar's grand, grandson, which is a totally different story and comes right at the end of Babylon. Um, but in the, in the midst of all of this, we see that that's why their haughtiness was so great, even with Babylon, that nothing could come against them. And that's why when they fall, they did never thought they would ever fall. But God humbles them. And so it's amazing in this story about Babylon and the wise men that these men would have studied under all this time astrology, all this time just looking at the stars. So in Daniel um, 9, I believe, um, he is praying and fasting for his people because he realizes that God has always spoken to them in Scripture so that they never miss him. But yet they have, but he starts to fill the same God, we have missed you so many times. Because at that time, he was reading in the book of Jeremiah, where it said, you will go into captivity, but after this many amount of years, I will set you free. Well, he is starting to repent for his people because he goes, God, we don't want to miss you. In this moment, this is where our hearts need to be the most tender. So he's praying and fasting and asking God to forgive the people for almost missing a moment that has been predicted many, many years ago by the prophet Isaiah and Jeremiah. And so he's praying and in the midst of it, an angel appears and he says, you, I am giving to you. Um, you have been doing this for seven, you knew that about the 70 years. Well, I'm going to give you the span of time of his coming. And so he not only gives Daniel in that moment that he will come once, but he tells him he will come twice. And so he gives Daniel the most accurate description of him being born, of him dying, and then him coming again. So in that response of him not wanting to miss one moment in time where God wanted to intercede for Israel and to turn their hearts, he gives him the span of time of how God has an intricate plan to turn their hearts for all this time and that he will come and do these things. And so Daniel knows this, is given the most accurate time from 10 to um, chapters 10 of Daniel to 12 is 500 years of history, so accurate that it's pinpointed bit by bit, line by line, over 500 years of history. He's the one who predicts um, Alexander the Great before he even knew, anybody knew that this man would come on the scene, um, predicted in dreams and visions, all these things, um, and which I can go into a totally different time because it's really, really, really too long. But, um, but so when these wise men are coming from the east, directed by the star, there's only really one person to really point to in this process, and that is Daniel. It's easy to look at Daniel and go, Daniel must have had the right thing that God must have spoken to him as well, that they would look for a specific star in the sky when they knew that this alignment, even like what I said with eclipses, that even if there was a perfect alignment in the sky, that it was going to be a sign unto them that Christ 
was be, to be born. And so um, there is writings of the wise men out there of their own account. Um, it's not canonized. I will say that so you won't read it in our Bible. But there is an account that you will read out there for where, from the wise men's point of view where they call it the star child. They don't just call it the star in the sky. They call it the star child. And where they come and they see it, and they believe that that almost like the star, it was heaven to earth. They almost felt like that star came from the sky. So by the time they met it, when it was over top of the house, they felt like what they saw in the sky was manifested in the flesh. And so, um, so this is really interesting to think that these men came from roots where I was telling my mom, it's interesting how God brings them into Babylonian captivity, the place of rebellion. And in that time with Nebuchadnezzar, he, if God didn't humble Nebuchadnezzar, it wouldn't have been the point where these wise men now come and bow before the king of kings. I mean, really, God made Nebuchadnezzar bow to the, to the true king of kings. So in that moment that they, these wise men could come and recognize the true king of kings. And so um, there's a whole unfolding of this story. And of course, if you know anything about future events, Babylon will be still in the picture again. But God has something specific in this, that these wise men would come from Persia to go and, and point to this one and go, this is the king of kings, and this is the Lord of lords. And so that's a part of the significance of the story. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Very good. Makes you want to read your Bible. Yeah. So you know, coming there's a back. plot there, isn't it? He's coming back. He's coming back. All right, so we've had um, Thank you, Tiffany. I'll tell you, she does. Yeah, she's great. All right. She didn't know she was going to do that either, so that's that's the preacher. All right, I'm proud of her. All right, so we have the angels and we have the shepherd. And today, we like the candle. So they came, we believe, from the Persia area, and um, it was the distance from um, Persia to uh, Bethlehem is about 1,427 miles. 1,427 miles. That's a walk. So it took them a while to make this journey. Now, I would say because of, um, of making sense and also because of how they uh, did things back then and how they traveled, you know, I don't have a problem with the three and the three gifts, but I would also say that these men, there was probably a large caravan. Yeah. That there was many that, that started out on that journey um, for many reasons, you know, because of needing, um, you know, they would have went through many desert, treacherous, uh, you know, there wasn't any uh, four-lane highway. So I can only imagine this terrain and the, the weather conditions and sand beating their faces and maybe even cool at night and critters, etc. 
was quite a journey. And I wonder if any of them ever wonder if anybody ever said, "I's a bull in the back." Uh, it would have been difficult, but to have several with you would have certainly, you know, helped make things um, easier. And now, scripture doesn't say that they have names, but according to history, um, there were names for these three magi, and I think we understand. What magi means was with the astrology and with numbers and so forth. But history has given them names of Gasper, uh, Bethalzer, and I could be really doing a bad job on this, but I'm doing my best. And the other one um, was, I'm going to say, Melchior, Melchior, Melch something. But that's what history um, has said that their, their names were. So they also, they brought the frankincense, myrrh, um, and gold. So, of course, they had to have been of stature, you know, to have these kind of, of things. So they brought gold because it was a symbol of kingship. You know, when we are directed by God, he does everything so perfect. And when you think of the story of how this was all lined up in Daniel chapter, and because of this, this happened, because of this, this happened, and because of this, this happened, and the obedience and, and, and how God in the lives of the people who are willing to be used. Even these three things were the perfect things they needed to bring. I mean, maybe when they were looking around thinking, well, what should we want to take great, you, you know how it is, shopping for somebody who you don't know what they're going to like, and maybe they don't like anything, and etc. But they brought the perfect gift. So the gold meaning that this was person they were going to be seeing was going to be a king. And the frankincense is an incense that was a symbol of deity, which also represents who this child was going to be. Now when we sang the song that I said was kind of different about death, and you know, why would we, I think that was the fourth maybe verse, it was kind of gloomy, I mean, it was death and the grave and this and that. But the myrrh was a symbol of, a, of an embalming oil. It was a symbol of death, which was representing that he was going to die. So how did they know to bring those three specific things that basically talked about Jesus' love? They were willing to listen, and they were willing to take the trap. So, of course, we talk about, do wise men still follow? Do wise women still follow? It's not easy sometimes being a follower, 
it's not easy sometimes being courageous, being um, obedient, listening, wanting to know the truth. We become so individualized in what we believe and what we think and who we are and what we do that often we, we really miss the mark. You know, I love the truth. I, I love the truth so much. I don't like the truth when it's hurtful. But I love it when people can be honest about themselves and say, you know, I messed up, or this is just who, you know, I did this. I like it when people can be honest. And that's not an easy thing to be obedient. Obedience is a very difficult thing in our Christian walk because it means that we have to give up our, ourself. We have to give up something, and those are difficult time things, and the flesh really can be a ruler of our lives. But these three wise men, because they were wise, we're investigating something. We're so involved in knowing things. And so when they came up with the formula, or like, oh my goodness, we know the answer, they were willing to follow it over 1,400 miles. And today, our, our whole purpose is to win souls and to lead people to Jesus and to train them up so they can know how to make the journey. Just because when we get saved and we decide, you know, we need to be taught and we need to grow and we need to learn so we can be followers. And as um, my sweet friend uh, Sony said to me, Sunday, and I never forgot it, I need manna every day. I can't go on yesterday's manna. i got to have manna every day. So these men followed a star. And you wonder at times what they felt and if they thought, ever wondered if that was, they were seeing it right or did they calculate it right and maybe they had questions about, once they got there, what they would see and what it would be like. One of the things that uh, I like about the scripture um, is that when they went home, they went home a different way. They didn't go back to the king to report. And I wonder when they went back home a different way, if they went home different. Amen. See, the wise men earned their moniker because they did. Their hearts were open to God's gift. The men were never the same again after worshiping Christ's child. The verse 12 says they departed for their own country in other words. It's 
as if all the forces of heaven cooperated to guide the wise men. To be guided by God is always right. We can't make it without guidance. I don't care who we are. No care how much we know the Bible or how many times we've been to church, etc., etc. Every day I need the new guidance. Because the route is different every day. See, some days it's rough and some days it's smooth and some days I don't know where I'm going and some days there's robbers that are waiting for me and different things. And so I need guidance every day. And as I follow this star in my life, you're following a star. Now you can choose to do all kinds of things, but to get to, to follow the star to Jesus will be worth it. God uses every possible means to communicate with you. The promises and the prophecy of Scripture speak to us, don't they? But they can't speak to us if we're not reading it. God himself reaches out to you. He wants to help you find your way home. And I'm reading this from a book, as you can see, because I couldn't come up with anything better. Christmas celebrates a similar moment for us, God breaking through to our world in a feeding stall of all places. He will not leave us in the dark. He is the pursuer, the teacher. He won't sit back while we miss out. So he entered our world. He sent signals and messages, hope, life. He cracks the shell of our world and invites us to peek into it is peek into his world. And every so often a seeking soul looks up. God will not leave us in the dark. He is the pursuer, the teacher. He won't sit back when we miss out. So he entered our world. May you be one of them when God sends signs, be faithful. Let them lead you to scripture. As scripture directs, be humble. Let it lead you to worship. See, you know the three wise men, they bowed down. As you worship the Son, we need to be grateful he will lead you home. Who knows, perhaps before Jesus comes again, we'll discover why men don't ask for directions. Then we can pursue the other great question of life. I love this. Why do women apply makeup while driving? <laughs> but that's a question for ones wiser than I. Max asks. Max Lucado, I love him. We have a choice to to um, we have a choice every day. We have a choice every second to be wise and to follow the story. You're following a star every single day of your life from the minute you get up to the minute you go to bed at night. Many other things are in the skies that might be bright and blinking 
and sometimes we lose our way. But if we keep our eye on the prize and on the main star and, uh, and keep our eyes on Jesus, he will lead us right to where we need to go. But the problem is there seems to be a magnet that pulls us times to other places. But if we keep our eyes on the prize, see, the whole reason for Jesus to come is that he could go to heaven so we could go to heaven. Amen. That's what this journey is about, is that someday we'll be with him or not. And the choice is looking at the stars. And I, I admire these three wise men because they didn't have to leave where they were and go on this pilgrimage to, to wonder where the, what they might find. That's a long, you know, we've all looked for different things and gotten our cars and followed, you know, the big sign at the, at the store or whatever. But we didn't go miles. We didn't go over 14 miles. Would we be willing to go all that way to find Jesus? And that's a question that we should ask ourselves each day. What are we willing to lay down? What are we willing to give? What are we willing to do to find Jesus? And the more we're in his word, the more it speaks to us, the more that all of a sudden we realize that Daniel, who, let, who was a, a young boy, who had to travel all that way, who was kidnapped. Jerusalem was totally destroyed. To look back and see everything you ever owned and all of it burning, and, and to go into captivity for 70 years. And, and for Daniel then to end, end, end up in a lion's den and other things that happened to him that were not nice. And because of his faith, and because he wouldn't bow down to the king. Three wise men later on learned of his learning of dreams and astrology and the stars, and they then found So everything we do might help somebody else find Jesus. So my life is important that I spread the gospel because we're responsible for leading people to Jesus. And I praise God for everybody in my life who has spoke things to my life that have led me to the manger. That I could come and worship and worship and thankfulness and, and, and obedience and to bow down because of who he is. So today, I invite all of us to, to learn to worship and to follow him. Because without him, we have nothing. And so it's important that we follow the stars. And it is wise that we make those decisions. Because 
Jesus is coming back. Now, if the scripture has already spoke about these things happening and these things happening before the, some of them were ever born and they happened, then Jesus returned. <coughs> and the signs are right of his return soon. The day will come when it will happen. And it is going to happen very, very, very soon. And the most important thing that we do right now, more important than anything, is to get right. I sat with a man last night who has got to be one of the smartest historians I've He's so smart, I don't I mean, I, he's just smart. And his father was one of my dad's best pastor friends. And this man knows so much, it's not even funny. And he was talking about this and that, and the pastor was talking about this and that, and they both said, people, I've got to get right, because we only have so much time left. And I invite you to make that decision to follow Jesus, and to follow the star, and to be obedient every day of your life, Praise him and to thank him for every detail and to get into the word so we can know what he has to say. Amen? Amen. Amen. So wise men and women still follow him. Amen. And we're going to follow him all the way, right? Amen. Even when it gets bumped. Bumpy, bumpy, bumpy. That's right. <laughs>